Welcome to chapel. Are we all here? Yeah. I think we're all here, aren't we? Yes. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, we have a very special guest with us tonight. How many of you have ever heard Dr. Gary Haynes in revival or camp meeting? Okay, some of you have. I think maybe you came on purpose to, to, to hear him tonight. Uh, Dr. Haynes ha is a graduate of Nazarene Bible College. In fact, he was in the first class I ever taught. <laughs> yeah, that long ago, yeah. Uh, actually graduated in 1975, but before he graduated, he was into evangelism. Before he came to Nazarene Bible College, he was an entertainer in nightclubs and really serving the enemy. But God got a hold of his heart and saved him by his precious blood. And Gary has given his life to uh, evangelism in the Church of the Nazarene. He is a tenured evangelist. That means that he holds probably 40 or more revivals a year. And, uh, and he's been a busy person and a wonderful friend of the Bible College. And I want us to enter into the singing that he has prepared for us tonight and then into the message from God's Word. So let's join together. Dr. G Haynes, come. Thanks, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Lydia. That's a nice lady you're sitting next to there. My wife doesn't get a chance to be in my meetings a lot. Would you welcome Marty over here for me? I had to bribe her with a dinner. We're going to dinner afterwards, amen. <laughs> Not McDonald's, no. Well, it's good to see you. I remember when I was here, we used to have chapel down, down the hill at the first church. Remember that? And, uh, you know, at some schools they have mandatory chapel. This one's always been voluntary. And uh, there's a couple guys, I'm not going to tell you who they are, you wouldn't know them anyway. But they would ask ahead of time who the chapel speaker was going to be. And then if they didn't like who it was going to be, they'd go to get a coffee over at Denny's. And that used to bother me. Because I, I enjoyed going to chapel. I looked forward to chapel. In fact, the times I didn't want to go, I didn't feel like going. When I went, there was a special blessing. And uh, I'll never forget the day Dr. Hamlin, Howard Hamlin, was here. And I was about as low as you can get. I was discouraged and frustrated. And God used that precious man to speak to me that day. And if I wouldn't have been in chapel, I'd have missed that. Amen. So anyway, we get in my car. I, I was, we had snow, and we were going to get in my car and go down the hill to the first church. And somebody in the back seat piped up, and they said, Who's in chapel today? And I said, the Lord's in chapel, and we're going, so there, I don't want to hear any more. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And where two or three are gathered in my name, I too should be there in the midst of them. You believe that? Oh, bless your hearts. Amen. Boy, you sound good. I believe God's going to help us here tonight. Amen. I want us to have prayer. Brother Attic, if you'd play that very softly on the piano. Dr. Warrington, would you come up here? Come on up here and pray for us. Ask God to do something special for us tonight. How many want to see God do something special here tonight? Not just a, another chapel service. We want something special to happen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your gracious love for us. 
for your mercy that is extended to us day after day. We want you tonight to take charge as you have in every heart, every mind. Fill us afresh. Pour your spirit upon us as we stand amazed in your presence here tonight. Oh God, we want your mind tonight. We want your mind to be our mind. Your heart to be our heart. Deal with us, Lord, in areas of our lives that need to be dealt with. May you speak your truth to us. May you speak your peace to us. May you speak your sanctifying grace to us tonight, O Holy Father. We adore you and worship at your feet. We pray that you would quiet our spirit, quiet our hearts before you. Oh God, take away the pushiness from us. Take away, Lord, places in our lives that get in the way of what you want done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaker tonight, our evangelist tonight. Would you anoint him? Would you use him tonight? Would you speak through him directly to the recesses of our soul, the deep places, the hidden places? Uncover layers tonight, Lord, that will help us. We take charge over the enemy tonight and we take authority over his plans and we pray for victory tonight in the name of Jesus. Holiness is what we need, it's what we long for, what we live for. We thank you and we praise you. Glorify your name in this time we have here tonight. In Jesus' name. seated. How many want that tonight? Come on. God is willing if we are. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Dr. Attic. It's a pleasure to work with him. We've done it many times, and those songs I just kind of threw at him, but he knew them. Amen. And that's how you get a flow of the Holy Spirit going. Praise God. So we thank you for your ministry, and thank you for making a special trip to come here tonight. I've always looked forward to my time here. I came out here in January 1973 and I started in uh, well, I came out in December started in January and I was already four months behind and I remember the first day student union building with Dr. Norman Oak I just left the nightclubs and we were sitting there my very first day you talk about culture shock and Dr. Oak was talking about eschatology and soteriology, and I was like a deer in the headlights. Amen. I thought, I thought, what in the world have I got myself into? And I went and talked to him. I set up an appointment. I said, Dr. Oak, I didn't come out here to fail, but I said, I can't, I can't go back home because the church gave me a love offering, and I already spent it. <laughs> and I said, I don't have a clue of what you're talking about. And Dr. Oak, I'm telling you, here's exactly what happened. He said, how long have you been out of school? I said, about 15 years. He said, Brother Haynes, don't take this the wrong way, but your brain's been on a vacation. <laughs> That's what he said. 
And he said, I want you to keep showing up. I said, but. He said, don't but me. Yeah, I want you to keep, I, but. He said, don't but me. I want you to keep reading, but. Don't but me. He said, right now you're in a cloud. I said, that's the first thing you said that I can agree with. Amen. <laughs> but, but he said, if you'll keep on studying and keep on showing up, you're going to punch through this cloud. It's going to open up a whole new dimension of learning to you. And he said, we're going to help you. He said, is that all? I said, yeah. He said, you're excused. Amen. And about six weeks later, he was right. We punched through that cloud. Kept showing up. Kept reading. Amen. And, uh, and then I took summer school that first year. <laughs> Boy, 16 weeks into four. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to go there. But uh, 1975, graduated. And I was already in evangelism, as Dr. Addict said. And now it's been 36 years, can't believe it. And every time I come here, I want to encourage you because I've been where you're, I've been where you're at. I know the struggles. One week, there was one time in 74, I ate cereal for two weeks. I've shared that story here and I don't know how many chapel services. So I know the struggles and I know what you go through. But I've been struggling the last week or so. I don't take this lightly. This is a privilege for me to be with you and uh, I followed the advice of Dr. Williamson. He told us in class one day, he said, class, sometimes when you go to the pulpit, you can't get clear as to what you're gonna preach. He said, don't kid yourself, we've all been there. But he said, whenever you're in doubt, preach holiness. We're holiness church. And then I told the audience this morning that the last time I saw Dr. G.B. alive was down in Mesa, Arizona, and him and Mrs. Williamson had retired down there. And in John, their son, was, was uh, pastoring there, and I was in a church there in Phoenix, and he called me, he said, you want to go see Dad? I said, I sure do. Dr. Williamson had no idea I was coming. He was one of my teachers. He was one of my mentors. And I walked in at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and there he is in his pajamas and house coat. Had a TV tray across his lap with the Beacon Bible commentary and the Bible. And I walked in, and he saw me, and... He said, Gary. I said, yes, sir. I said, what are you doing, Doc? He said, getting new truth, son, getting new truth. Amen. Close to eight years old, still getting new truth. Amen. And then after we talked for about 15 minutes, he gave me a charge like Paul gave Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. And he began to quote scriptures only he could. And I'm telling you, it was mesmerizing. Absolutely. That spirit of, the spirit of the Lord was so powerful in that room that day. And I went over after he gave me that charge. He went on for five minutes quoting scripture. And I went over and I hugged his neck and kissed him on his cheek because we both knew we're, this is it. We're not going to see each other anymore here. And I took about five steps to walk out of the room. And he said, Gary. I said, yes, sir. Two things, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't ever quit playing golf. I said, thank you. <laughs> he said, some people, they don't understand it. But he said, it's a good outlet. You need it. But then he said, Gary, more importantly, preach holiness. We're a holiness church. And I think you know the story by now. If it wasn't for Dr. Williamson, there wouldn't even be a Bible college here. And we are in debt to all those people back yonder, including this gentleman over here. Uh, he must have seniority here now. But I remember when you first came. And uh, it's been a good journey. Don't get discouraged. Hang in there, okay? But tonight we're going we're gonna to take a look at holiness. 
Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man should see the Lord. Many people today ask, these, ask this question, why is holiness so important? Why do we talk about holiness and sanctification in John Wesley all the time? And I'm afraid many folks today become disillusioned by all the talk of John Wesley. They begin to think that he had something that he dreamed all this up. Sadly, many preachers today have completely stopped preaching and teaching holiness as a necessity, but they preach it merely as a nice option. That bothers me. We've got, you can't imagine how many churches I've been to, and they say, Gary, we're not hearing messages on holiness anymore. It's a necessity. It's not a nice option that you just add on. It's not like you're a car salesman and you know, he wants to sell you a CD player or heated seats or some of these things. It, it, it's, it's absolutely mandatory. And we see, unfortunately, many preachers today preach and teach holiness as a nice option or a dream that you could try to obtain in this life, but you can, you can never do it, so why even bother? I believe there's more to holiness than that. And I want to share three reasons why I believe we need to embrace holiness and why holiness is so vitally important. The first reason is very simple, and I got this from Dr. John Earl. I saw some information that he had, and I'm glad he reminded us it's important because Christ died for it. I said Christ died for it. That makes it important right there. Hebrews 13:12, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. And we see here that Jesus Christ suffered. Now I want you to ponder that a moment with the cat of nine tails and all that he went through. People spitting on his face and they jammed thorns on his head and he suffered, he suffered. It's unbelievable when I preach the message on that, all that he went through, that we might be sanctified. And it says here that Jesus Christ suffered and shed his own blood. Not, not the blood of goat and calves, he shed his own blood so that we could be sanctified and made holy. He didn't just die that we could be saved from our committed sins, transgressions of sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, wrongdoings. It's much deeper than that. He died so that we could be free from all sin. And we've got a full gospel we need to preach. Well, you don't have to be in the sin business. I said, you don't have to be in the sin business. He suffered without the gate that he might sanctify the people. And by rejecting holiness, we are in fact rejecting his horrible death on the cross. The reason he died again was that we might be sanctified. And if we reject this second work of God's divine grace, then we are rejecting him. I believe there's cleansing and then there's the process. I believe you can be a believer, but he wants us to be fully devoted disciples. But there is a crisis. There is a time where you come to the end of yourself and you consecrate your life to him. And as a result of entire consecration, there's entire sanctification. You can't have one without the other. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And then in verse 6 it tells us that if we don't go on to perfection, then we crucify Christ all over again. Holiness is important and we need to embrace it because Christ died for it. It's God's will that we should be holy. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. We see in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3 and following, it's God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that's holy and honorable. 
not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And therefore he who rejects this instruction does not reject man but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. And then, of course, in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And then it goes on to say, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you wholly, completely, through and through. And I pray, God, your old spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Faithful is he who calleth you, who will also do it. And the only way we can overcome temptation is when we love him more than we love the temptation. You've got to love him more than you love the sin. If you're alive unto God, you're dead unto sin. I said, if you're alive unto God, you're dead unto sin. But if you're alive unto sin, you're dead unto God. And he wants, sanctification means to be set apart. I didn't share that this morning. In the Old Testament, it was ceremonial. Today, it's personal. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. He wants to come and live and dwell within us. But we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he wants that temple clean and pure and holy where he can energize us and empower us to live the life that he wants to live through us. Oh, bless his name forever. Amen. There's an artist by the name of Benjamin West. He was a great painter. And he talked of a colleague named Gilbert Stewart who is known for his beautiful colorings and his paintings. And he told his class one day that it was no use to try and steal Stewart's colors, but if you really want to paint as he does, you've got to steal his eyes. You've got to see what he sees. And that's what God is telling us here in this life of sanctification. The truth is that in the same way when we become baffled and frustrated in our efforts to live as Christ lived, did you ever stop to think why we call ourselves Church of Nazarene, not Nazarene Church? Church are called out of sin into a life of holiness of service of which he's the chief cornerstone. And with the church of the, the, the emphasis on the Nazarene, and maybe there's some other denominations here tonight, but if you're going to talk the walk, you're going to, you're going to walk the walk. Amen. If you're going to talk the talk, you're going to walk the walk. And we're going to live a life that would bring honor and glory to his name in our witness, in our testimony, in our attitudes, in our actions. It's no longer me that lives. I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Bless his holy name. And only his divinity within us, only his divinity within us, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and completely and totally and thoroughly sanctified, and, and until that happens, we're not all Christ wants us to be. Jesus Christ died for our sanctification. And this is why it's so important. Holiness did not begin with John Wesley. It began 2,000 years ago on a cross called Calvary. And that's why holiness is important. Christ died that we might be sanctified. Bless his holy name. And then secondly, we need holiness because the carnal nature drives us without it. We've got to have the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. In Romans 7:14, and this is kind of a tongue twister, but the Apostle Paul said, For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, I do not want to do this, but I keep on doing it. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who does it, but it's sin living in me. The sin nature, original sin that we're born with, carnality. 
So I find myself with this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight to do God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and make me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. The most miserable Christians I see are those that are saved, but they haven't gone into the deeper life of holiness. They have never been sanctified and set apart unto God and known the indwelling power and the cleansing, energizing spirit of our living Christ. Amen. And I tell you, one of the most beautiful benefits about being entirely sanctified, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. When, when you totally consecrate your life to him, there's a peace that passes all understanding. The world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. Amen. Because everything has been consecrated to him. And Paul said, what a wretched man I am. I want to do good, but I can't. And I felt the same way about six, seven weeks after I was saved back in Detroit. The things I wanted to do, I couldn't. The things I didn't want to do, I did. And there was a war going on. I knew I was saved, but I wasn't enjoying it. And I kept falling and tripping and skinning up my spiritual knees. But I kept telling the Lord, and I'm glad he judges us by the light that we have. I, I told the Lord, if I fall, I'm going to fall towards you. I'm not going the other way. I'm not going to backslide. But I knew there was something lacking in my life. I knew I was saved, but I knew there was something else lacking in my Christian life. And then one Sunday night, I heard a message on heart holiness. And I was up here singing that night. And I got up to sing the invitation, just as I am. And I got two words out of my mouth, just as. I, I broke down and started crying. And I hit the altar from the platform side. And I said, Lord, I don't know what it's called. I don't know all the terms and terminologies. But I want everything you've got for me. I'm not going to compromise and settle for anything less than your best. And he came in his sanctifying grace. And he touched me from the head, my, my, the top of my head to the balls of my feet. Amen. And his spirit bared witness with my spirit that I was being filled with the power and the presence of a holy God. Praise the Lord. Praise his name. Paul wrote these verses describing his battle to the, to the whole law of the Old Testament. Yet he recognized the sin nature in his heart. And he battled with it. There's always going to be a battle till you get this resolved. I was going to wait till later, but I'll say it right now. When I was here, there were students here that have yet to take this walk into holiness. They were saved and they honored their call to go into ministry, but they hadn't, they, hadn't, they hadn't followed through on the call to entire consecration. You're not going to be successful out there in the ministry until he completely owns you. Until you're totally his. Lock, stock, and barrel. You've got to die to self. I said you've got to die to self. It's not your will, it's his will. It's not what you want, it's what he wants for you. You've got to die to all that. Otherwise, there's going to be a battle. I said there's always going to be a battle. You're never going to have victory. So many people today get tied up in Romans 7, but they need to go on to Romans 8. Paul was battling with the sin nature, and even Catholics believe in the original sin nature. Inherited depravity from Adam and Eve and the sin that they committed back there. It's in every human being. And he was battling with the sin nature, which was driving him to do things he didn't want to do. But with the sin nature, the inbred nature of sin in his heart, he couldn't fully conquer sin, and neither were you. Paul was disillusioned and crying out for deliverance from the sin nature. It's a good thing he didn't go to some of the preachers today. <laughs> he wouldn't have found very much encouragement there. God help us. But I've got good news for you. Deliverance from the sin nature is available. I said it's available. 
Romans 8, 16, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life has been set free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do and that was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. I said God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Holy Spirit. Those who belong according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Praise God. The Bible's clear. We must be delivered from carnality. It's like somebody that works out there in the forest. The absolute necessity of the indwelling Spirit of God is demonstrated by those who take care of the trees in the forest. You see, whitewashing and spraying never reaches the parasites attacking the trees. We're seeing that happen right now. In some of our, in, in some of our uh, uh, in black forests and other places up there by divide. So the forester bores the very heart of the tree, introduces some chemical solutions, which mingle with the sap and circulate through every branch and leaf. And thus the old tree is rendered absolutely safe from all the parasites. My wife will tell you, we, we moved to Glen Eagle six years ago, and we got a beautiful view, a panoramic view of the mountains. And uh, from the time I first bought that lot until we built, our neighbor had some trees, and one of them was blocking our view. And so we had a long talk, and we worked on an agreement, and he gave me permission to cut down this tree because it was just blocking Pikes Peak. It was blocking the Air Force Academy, and I wanted to see it. That's why I moved out there. And so he gave me permission to tear it down, and we called a tree company, and they cut it down and carried it all away. And, and well, I just thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But then about six months later, the sprouts start coming back. It was a Russian olive tree. And it's not really a tree, it's a noxious weed. That's what it is. It was indestructible is what it was. Because within six months, the leaves are coming up again. I'm thinking, no, you're not getting my view, buddy. So I went out there and we chopped all those things that are coming up. We chopped them. I did it two or three different times. Every two or three months, they just kept coming back. It was like a monster. And then a friend of mine who's a landscaper from Oklahoma City came out. Him and his wife, they spent some time with Marty and me, and I told him, he said, oh, we'll take care of this deal. He's got, he got a big old drill? I said, yeah. He said, well, let's get that drill and go out there. So we went out, he drilled five holes into the, in the trunk of that tree. Then we went to a landscaping company up in Monument, and he bought some poison, and he came back and he put it in all those holes. We haven't had anything happen since then, praise God. You wanna know why? He got to the root of the problem. I said, we got to the root of the problem. And I didn't share this this morning, but now I have an evil heart. Proceeds lying and cheating, adultery and fornication. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Galatians 5:19. the acts of the sinful nature. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, rage, unforgiveness. That's the acts of the sinful nature. The root bears the fruit. I said, the root bears the fruit. But then the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, temperance, faith. I'm preaching better now than you're shouting. That's all I know. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've got you to take care of the root of the problem. 
It's called carnality. And when the Holy Spirit sits on the throne room of your heart, there'll be the fruit of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, temperance, faith. It's, it's just a natural consequence of the Holy Spirit living in us in His fullness. And this is exactly like the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives of the believers. Believers need to get saved. I mean, unbelievers need to get saved. But believers, but believers need to get sanctified. He wants to so indwell us to get to the root of the problem. It's carnality. And the Holy Spirit must be permitted direct access to the root of the problem. To the innermost being of holiness. If there's any hope to be delivered from the power of the sin nature in our lives. You can't work this away. It, it can't be done in the flesh. It has to be. You see, justification, just as if I've never said it, transgressions need to be forgiven. But the sin nature, how can I say, Lord, I'm sorry for the sin nature when I was born with it? We're not talking about forgiveness. We're talking about cleansing. Sins committed need to be forgiven. Somebody help me right now. Say amen. If we confess our sins, he's faith, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all wrongdoings. But what causes a person to go out and transgress the law of God? It's a sinful heart that we're born with. You've got to get to the root of the problem. We're not talking about forgiveness and justification. We're talking about heart cleansing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what was better. When I got saved or sanctified. Whew. You need to wave the white flag and say, Lord, I give up. I just turn everything over to you. Here's my house, my car, my talents, my gifts, my hopes, my dreams, my plans, my goals, my family, my checkbook, everything. Just take it all. Take control of me. And as a result of entire consecration as a believer, there's entire sanctification. There's the crisis, and then there's the process. Amen. And that process is going to be lifelong. Right up until the time we enter into heaven and we're glorified. Amen. So holiness needs to be embraced. Christ died for it. The carnal nature needs to be cleansed. This is what we part past theologically with other denominations. I don't believe, excuse me. And I'll never apologize for this. You don't, holiness doesn't mean I can't sin. It means I don't want to. I don't want to. I haven't forgot how to do it. But when I'm faced with temptation, I can say no to that and yes to him. And live a holy, pure life. Where you got joy and peace and it's wonderful. I said it's wonderful. And then we need holiness because we can't get to heaven without it. Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. Narrow is the way. Few be therein that find it. But Lord, we did this and Lord, we did Get away from me. I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. The unclean will not journey on it. It's going to be for those who walk in that way, the way of Christ. Wicked fools will not go on about it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast will get up on it. They will not be found there. 
But only the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. That city whose builder and maker is God. Praise the Lord. And it says, everlasting joy. Think of it. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Psalm 24, 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Matthew 5 and 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Not only later, you can see him right here in your witness and your testimony. The living transparency of Christ in your witness and your testimony. They took note of them that they had been with Jesus. It's clear. The Bible tells us that if we desire to make heaven our home someday, we've got to be sanctified, made holy. No sin is going to be allowed into heaven. It's a holy place. And I believe the sin nature has to be cleansed away. I believe God will give us light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, the human and the divine, and the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. And we're judged by the light we have. But I will serve thee because I love thee. It's not that I have to. I want to. That changes everything. If God cannot completely cleanse us from all sin, then that would imply that God cannot completely defeat the power of sin in our lives. But whatever he has commanded, and you just said it, be ye holy. For I, the Lord God, am holy. Whatever he's commanded, he's provided for. I said, whatever he's commanded, he's provided for. He would be unfair if he told us to live a holy life and then didn't make provision for us to have the holy life. Dr. Tom Hermes, who I've worked with many times, and I, I adore that man. He's such a wonderful Christian. What a gentleman. And this is his phrase, not mine. He said, there's a solution to the pollution. Y'all didn't get it, did you? Amen. There's a solution to the pollution. Thank God he has provided full salvation to those that want it. Blessed, that means happy. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Mm. A minister told, there's a story about a minister. He told one night that on a Sunday night he was quarantined in his own house because his child had diphtheria. And he watched his church, his people, going through the doors of the church that he, he's the pastor, but he couldn't enter into the church. And he lived right next door. He saw the light shining through the windows. He watched the people going inside to worship. And then the music started, and he listened to the music and the singing, and it was so festive and celebratory. He just couldn't stand it any longer. So he snuck out the back door and crept up close to the window of the church, and he looked in to see what was going on. Within the church, everything was bright, festive, celebratory. But outside the church, 
There he stood in the chill of darkness. And then he said this, for the first time in my life, I realized what it meant to be shut out. And then he said, I had this thought, someday I'll be standing at the gateway to heaven. And what a terrible thing it would be if the gates of heaven were close to me and I would be shut out into everlasting darkness. God does not want that. Nor do you. But we cannot neglect to embrace and accept the acceptance of him by faith who suffered without the gate that he might sanctify us. Heaven demands that we're to be holy. Otherwise, no one will make it to heaven without his holiness in us. Called unto holiness. Aren't you glad for the songs we have in our hymnal? I'm glad for all the new courses, but I'm glad for some of them great old hymns. Holiness is our watchword and song. It's what we're all about, folks. We must sing it and shout it loud and long. Holiness needs to be embraced because Christ died for it. That's important. The carnal nature must be dealt with or you'll never have victory. You'll have life, but you won't have abundant life. And then our celestial home demands it. Gary, what are you saying? Holiness is essential. The Bible is a holy Bible. It's a book on holiness. It tells of a holy God who sent his holy son to make his people holy. The man in the Garden of Eden lost the original state of holiness through sin. But the Bible, the Bible reveals a plan of salvation that restores man to a holy estate of righteousness and purity. How? Through the holiness of Christ. And I've got good news for you. Listen to this. It blesses my soul. He who knew no sin became sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Does that make anybody here happy but me? Amen. It's not about us. It's all about him. It's not who we are. It's who he is. Bless his name. But Hebrews 12, 14 has to be embraced by faith in a life of obedience. Follow, that's, that's process. That's progressive. Follow. I got a message on turning and then following. It's one thing to turn. It's another thing to follow. Turning is repentance, but you got to follow. Holiness without which no man should see the Lord. Gary, what are you saying? You got to have it. I'm not preaching this tonight because I've been brainwashed. And I've been taught this when I was a student here. I've been doing this 36 consecutive years. I've seen lives changed by the power of God's grace. I've seen homes put back together, families put back together, drug addicts delivered, alcoholics delivered. It's the power of God in our life. And only he has the power to do that. And unless you let him do it, you're going to be one miserable person. I'm talking to Christians now. You got to have it. Listen, it's, this is not optional. It's not take it or leave it. It's absolutely mandatory. You got to have it. If you want to live a happy, victorious, productive Christian life here and make heaven your home one day, you've got to have it. You can't play around with this. 
This is not an option. He wants you to be clean and pure and holy, and he's provided for it. It's one thing to have your sins forgiven. It's another thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that happens through entire consecration. I'm a new Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. I take this new life, and I consecrate it all back to him. He's my Savior, but I want him to be my Lord. And it's a, it's a second crisis. The first crisis is when he got saved. The second crisis is... Who's going to own the new life? Who's going to be Lord? Who's going to be master? You've got to die to self. And if you're listening to me online, there in your bedroom or your home or your, your office, I'm telling you, you'll never be an effective minister for the Lord Jesus Christ until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. God help us. Holiness. It's what we long for. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What are you hungering and thirsting for? That determines whatever you're hungering and thirsting for, that determines what the end result's going to be. You want more of God? If ye then, being evil or human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more with the Holy Spirit? How much more would God give the Holy Spirit to those that simply ask? And then, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but the birth, the baptism, but many subsequent infillings. And as you go to school and you've got stress and problems and doubts and fears and insecurities, we don't sing this song anymore in the hymnal, but all my doubts and fears are gone forever when the Lord sanctified me. For his peace flowed on me like a river when the Lord sanctified me. You need the power of the Holy Spirit not only to live victorious over sin and temptation, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to get you through the rough times. And there's going to be some here. I said there's going to be some here. You already know that. It's not easy. But if you can't make it here, you won't make it in the ministry. I believe this is a testing ground. And if you just give up here and walk away, that's such a pattern in your life. When you get into some problems later on, you'll give up and just walk away. Out of your innermost being shall flow, not trickle, shall flow rivers of living water. It's the power of God. And that word flow, whatever obstacle or problem there is, he'll help you get over it, around it, or he'll just pick it up and move it. But it's the power of God in your life. And some of you right now, I don't know who you are, but I know what God told me to do when he brought me here tonight. Some of you are struggling right now, and you need a new, fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You can't do this in the flesh. And you think by coming to a Christian college, everything would be great, and it is. But the devil will fight you here. He knows if he can destroy your faith and get you discouraged here, he destroys your future ministry down the road. He wants you to give up. He wants you to get discouraged. Don't let it happen. If you need a new baptism of God's love and joy and grace in your life, then come and get it. Because the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And he will get you through anything. I don't care what it is. Amen. Oh, bless his name. Would you play Spirit of the Living God real quietly? The Hindus can't sing this. The Buddhists can't sing this. 
Those in Rosicrucianism can't sing this. Muslims can't sing this. We can. We just came through Easter. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Where two or three are gathered, I too should be there in the midst of them. Let me do everything I can to encourage you. I learned a long time ago, you can't help anybody who don't want any help. If you're going to sit there and stiffen up your neck and stiffen up your heart, can't help you. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. If you want to go through life, just stiffen up and you've got all the answers. You don't need God in your life. You don't need to get sanctified. Good luck. You don't have a clue of what I'm talking about. I need to tell you something and I don't like to do it. But I'm telling the truth and God knows I am. I've been in all 50 states. I know a lot of district superintendents. And in the last year or so, I've talked to DSs and pastors who serve on the credentials committee. When district licensed ministers are coming through to be questioned for ordination, and they're asked this question, explain holiness, explain sanctification. Before we ordain you, we want to hear what has God done for you? And I've heard this more than once in the last couple of years. We've got guys coming through the credentialing committee as candidates for a nation. They can't explain it because they've never experienced it. And God forgive me, God help me, but some of the schools are not teaching it. And when I was here, I told you there were some people that were here. They were saved, they honored their call, but they had yet to go into the deeper life of entire consecration. I've walked with the Lord long enough. I know his leadership in my life well enough that this is the track he put me on tonight. And whenever he leads me to do something like this, there's always a reason for it. I believe there's somebody here tonight, you need to get sanctified. That's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Don't worry about what you don't understand, worry about what you do understand. I was sanctified by, before I even knew what it was and I came out here and then I started studying and I realized that what happened to me. It's dying to self, receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me please? Look up here. God's a God of truth. You should know the truth and the truth should set you free. There's no better place than now, no better place than right here. You'll look back years from now and say, boy, I'm glad that I heard that message and I followed through on this commitment to heart holiness. Can I ask you to bow your heads? I want you to be honest with God and honest with yourself. We're worshiping spirit and the truth. Don't lie to God, don't lie to yourself. How many here tonight say, Brother Gary, I need to get sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. I love the Lord. I'm not, going to settle any, I'm not going to settle for anything less than God's best. I want God's best. I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it up. I want him to cleanse me, purge me, empower me, energize me, take control of me. I want to die to self. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a crisis, and I'm going to follow through on this commitment. 
And then I'm going to live a life of holiness that will bring honor and glory to him. All right, look up here. Look up here. I love you, and I hope you can sense that I do. I want God's best for you.